0: You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good morning, 1030. How are we doing this morning? Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Well, in case you're new here to City Church downtown, uh, typically we don't take ourselves too seriously around here, but because of the subject matter today, it may be a little bit heavy. So uh, if you're one of those people that like really heavy emotions, you know, if uh, you're one of those people that loves like that depressing country music, you know, where they're singing about you know, some dude whose tractor broke down and someone ran over his dog, you know, if you like like the Twilight movies or emo music or the band Depeche Mode, if you shop at Hot Topic, you're going to love the heaviness of what we're going to talk about here uh, today because we're talking about loss. And we started a few weeks ago this series of teachings called The Emotionally Healthy Church or Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And we've been looking at uh, some of the truths in Pete Scazzaro's book. And one of the things that he says is that uh, it's impossible to be spiritually mature and emotionally immature all at the same time. And last year, I took an assessment that Pete Scazzaro put out. In fact, we put that assessment on our website. If you want to take it, it's it's citychurchdowntown.com. You can take the assessment and see your own emotional health. And when I looked at it, I was emotionally immature, and the reason I was emotionally immature is because I've not appropriately dealt with loss in my life. I never grieve, I just move on, right? I don't want to take the time to grieve because I got a hard charge ahead on the future. And so some of the things I had to think through in my life were the loss of people that I loved, right? I mean, we've all lost people, and I had to go back. And lean into the pain of the loss of my grandfather when as I, chi- I was a child. I brought a picture of my papaw. He's the man standing next to the horse there. I'm on the horse as a little guy, and my sisters are down below. But my papaw represented all that's good in the world to me. He was a cowboy. He worked hard. He was generous. When we would go out to his farm and spend time there, we got to ride the horse and spend time with him and playing with him and experiencing all the goodness that is the grandparents, you know. Well, not too long after that photo was taken, he passed. And that was the first time I felt the depth of a loss. And as a little kid, I didn't know how to mourn, right? I didn't know what to do. And so you just stuff that down until those emotions come out later. In recent years, I lost some friends, Ron and Carolyn Buck, to a tragic car accident. They were way too young. These were friends that... Had helped us start the first city church over on Bandera road and uh, they were so close but when they passed i didn't feel like i had the right to mourn their loss because i thought about the excruciating pain that the immediate family was going through i thought who am i to have the right to feel pain over their loss and so i just moved on and so it's not just the loss of people in my life that i didn't appropriately mourn but it's the loss of other facets of life like I had to learn to mourn the loss of the way things used to be. You know what I'm saying? So when I moved downtown here to start City Church downtown, I was just moving ahead to start the next thing, right? And I'd never mourn the loss of having left our Bandera Road City Church and all the friends and relationships that I had there that I had to leave to start the next thing that God had for me in my life. Another thing that was a significant loss for me was um, like, my my kids. um, They went from being these beautiful, sweet little kids to teenagers. And when they're little kids, they need you, right? When they become teenagers, they don't want to hang around with you anymore. And so I brought this picture. um, And in the top picture, you'll see the little kids that I miss, right? And then they became teenagers. And Uh, they were different. Now, actually, that picture was taken before a costume party, and I keep losing because every time I talk about my kids in a sermon, they make me pay them five bucks, and so um, I'm losing even money just talking about it right now. But as a parent, this is how it feels as a parent, it's natural for our kids to grow up and not need us anymore, not think we're cool anymore, and want to be around their friends all the time. Had to mourn. That loss, I had to mourn the loss of staff members that have moved on from us here at City Church that I was in deep relationship with. Another thing I'm in the process of mourning right now is our parents are aging. One of our parents, my wife's dad, has cancer right now, and our parents, as they age, they can't physically do the things that they used to do. And so that time where we could enjoy doing the physically active things is coming to a close. And so we're having to mourn that right now. What about you? You knew where I was going with this, right? You knew that if I was going to talk about me, that I was going to turn the finger on you and say, brothers and sisters, what are you mourning right now? If you think about what you've lost in your life, what are the first three things that come to your mind? And I know it's hard to go there and think about those things, but I want to ask you to go there today. I know some of you have lost marriages It was huge. Some of you have lost a grandparent. Some of you have even lost children. Others of you have experienced infertility and it's the loss of a dream of being able to have children. Others have had someone in the family with cancer or there's been a suicide or there's been a betrayal in your life. All of these things are lost and these are the significant losses. And some people categorize some of the things that we lose as insignificant losses but I would say there's really no such thing as an insignificant loss, but some of the things that we tend to gloss over more easily are those losses, like when we graduate from high school, those of you that are high school graduates and you're starting to realize that now that you've graduated, you're not seeing those friends that you saw every day all the time, and that's a loss. Those of you that were very closely connected to your college friends, when you graduated from college, it was a loss, wasn't it? I mean, you were, it was so fun. You could do stuff together all the time. You could stay up late and drink coffee, preparing for those exams, and now that part of your life is over. It's a loss. Some of you are experiencing the loss of the financial security that you had when you lived at home with mom and dad. Others of you are experiencing the loss of growing older, and you look older, and you get up, and you look in the mirror, and you're like, who is that old guy in the mirror I miss the young guy, the young lady that I used to be. It's all lost. Perhaps you lost a friend or your kids grew up, and here's one that really gets us the loss of a faithful pet. And if we're honest, I think we would all have to admit that when we lost that pet, it hurt more than losing some of the relatives that we've lost, doesn't it? it? It's all lost. A lot of Americans are mourning the loss of the America we used to know. The America that was more safe, and with the rise of radical terrorists and violence in Orlando, Minnesota, Louisiana, Dallas, and now Munich and Baghdad, we feel a sense of loss of the security and safety that we used to feel. Well, all loss is loss, and grieving is not an interruption. It's not a waste of time. You can't just get over it. And so that's why I want to take you to the wise words of Solomon from Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one and four. He says, for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. Notice that laughing and dancing come after crying and grieving, don't they? And if you want an extra kick in your step as you dance, you have to first cry. If you want more joy in your laughter, you have to grieve the loss of the way things used to be. Now, my question to you has been, what have you lost? And as those things come to your minds, as you think about what you've lost, I wanna submit this one simple idea, mourning is not an interruption, but a transformation mourning is not an interruption, but a what? Transformation. And so if you try and just get over it, you never will. Now, perhaps you've heard of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of mourning. You know, she says, first you go through denial, denying that the loss ever happened, or then you get angry about the new normal, and then you start bargaining. You go into a depression, and then you finally accept the reality of what's taken place, the person that you've lost. And certainly, I've seen those steps ring true. But today, as we study the Bible, we're going to look at two different parts of the Bible. We're going to kind of channel surf, if you will. We're going to Switch channels back and forth between the Psalms of David that help you mourn and an obscure little book written by Jeremiah called Lamentations that's about the mourning after the loss of the city of Jerusalem. But if you look at the Psalms of David, you would see a book that's so significant in the broader scheme of history. In fact, the Psalms of King David have helped more people through mourning, loss, and pain than perhaps any other book in all of literature in the history of the world. And so the first thing that King David did to heal from loss was to pay attention to pain. Pay attention to pain. We're very quick to gloss over, cover over our pain, but he says, no, pay attention. Lean into the pain of your loss. Learn to lament, and the Jewish people led by David did physical things to mourn. They would literally like tear their clothes. Then at times they would utilize what's called sackcloth and ashes. Now sackcloth was an ancient equivalent to burlap, And so what they would do is they would literally wear burlap, like right next to their skin. There was no undergarment underneath it. It was right next to their skin. We try and buy clothes that are like that soft cotton. We like jeans that have been worn in. We like comfortable tennis shoes and sneakers and all of that. We like flip-flops and things that are comfortable. But during the season of mourning, the Jewish people would physically wear burlap right against their skin and it represented the discomfort that they were feeling in the midst of their loss and then they would also take ashes now uh, the ashes they would take they would like pour the ashes over their heads and the ashes represent ruin when a city was taken it would be burned to the ground oftentimes and the old has been ruined and we have to get used to the new see so that's why I'm sackcloth and ashes. And paying attention to your pain means you've got to be brutally honest with God. And I want to take you to the morning of the city of Jerusalem in Lamentations 1-2. It says, she sobs through the night. Tears stream down her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. And become her enemies. And so paying attention to your pain means that you cry. You allow yourself to cry. And some of you are like me. You try and buck up and hold off the tears, but lean into that cry and let it flow. But what will happen next is pictured in Lamentations 2.11. It says there, I've cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken. My spirit is poured out in agony as I see the desperate plight of my people. And so sometimes when you're in the midst of mourning you allow the tears to come, they keep coming so much that nothing comes out. It's like you're dry Eve crying. You have no more tears to come. That's leaning into the pain. That's paying attention to your pain. And when you're at this point of pain, you're leaning into it. It's time for what I'm calling the loss inventory. A loss inventory is something simple to do. You might want to do it on your phone while you're listening, write it down, do it later, but you name it. You name what you lost. And when you write it down on paper, you name what you've lost, and then you write out how it made you feel. And so if you lost your job, it's like, my loss was my job. And it makes me feel insecure that I won't have what I need. I won't have the resources that I need. For some men, when they write down the loss of their job, they say, my job gave me significance. And I feel like I'm no longer significant without that job. So mourning is not an interruption, but a transformation. As we pay attention, we can't expect to feel better immediately after we have uh, paid attention to our pain. But we've got to go into the n- this next phase. And this next phase is the hardest part of the whole morning process. And that's when you wait in the confusing in between. Wait in the confusing in between because it is a time of disillusionment. You don't know if you're even going to make it. Now, there's this theologian And when he comments on the book of Psalms that we're looking at today, uh, his name is Walter Brueggemann, by the way, and he says that the Psalms can be divided up in three ways. There's orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. So the orientation is when things are normal, but then in the disorientation time, things get jacked up. You lose something. Something happens to screw up your life, and then after you get through that time, you can be reoriented where you get used to the new normal. Well, we're going to focus in on the disorientation part because that's what waiting in the confusing in between is all about. And this disorientation is what the disciples felt when Jesus Christ died on the cross. Because remember, there were days between uh, when he died on the cross and when he rose again from the dead. So he died on Friday. He rose on Sunday. And the time between was the confusing in between. And put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. They had seen Jesus do miracles on earth. They'd seen him heal people, raise people from the dead even. Yet the guy who could raise people from the dead is now dead. He's dead. And so you're thinking, if he can't fix things, if he can't stay alive, who can? They're disillusioned. They think all hope is lost until Sunday. Sunday's coming, right? So we have to hang in there in the midst of the confusing in-between. Look at the disorientation verbalized by Jeremiah in Lamentations :344. He says to God, "You've hidden yourself in a cloud so our prayers cannot reach you. You have discarded us as refuge and garbage." among the nations. That's one of the things I love about the Bible writers is they weren't just these overly encouraging, put on your happy face kind of guys all the time. Sometimes they were just very straight up with God about how they were feeling. And that's certainly what we experience in Psalm 77, 8. Look at this verse with me. David says, has his unfailing love banished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful See, waiting in the confusing in between means you acknowledge those feelings when you sense that God is nowhere near you. Have you ever been there? It's like, God, are you even there? I mean, I hear people at church talk about all this love and this grace and this healing and this good thing, good things that can happen. And I don't even feel like you're anywhere in my stratosphere. You're not even in the solar system for me, God. That's the confusing in between. And you know, that's a dangerous time as well. When you're in that confusing in between, it's dangerous. And I understand why people commit very reckless sins when they're going through that part of the grieving process because you want the pain to stop, don't you? It's like, it hurts so badly, I would do anything to not have to feel this pain. And you reach for all kinds of pain relievers, right? All kinds of bottles that will relieve that pain. And I want to encourage you during that time, Sit there through the pain, endure the pain, lean in to the pain. It is not an interruption, but it is a transformation. It is changing you, and change is hard. Look, as your pastor, I love you. I wish I could just make it all better all the time. I wish I could just had like a magic wand where I could say, ring, feel no pain. Well, what makes me think I could do that when David and Jeremiah couldn't do it either? And Jesus even allowed his disciples to go through the confusing in-between time. Look, hang on and lean into the pain during that time in hopes of getting to phase number three where you allow the old to birth the new. The old can birth the new. And so if you graduated from high school and you're mourning the loss of all those friends, you've got a whole new life ahead of you. You could go to college or you could get a new career and fulfill your destiny in life. The old can birth the new. Now, there are some losses in life that are harder to see the birth of the new. And that's the case with a man named Jerry Sitzer. Jerry was on a trip with his family and in an instant they're in a head-on collision with a drunk driver. And in one day, Jerry lost his mother, his wife, and his four-year-old daughter, three generations, one day, gone. Can you imagine how it would feel to lose your wife, your mother, and one of your children in a day? This guy wrote about his experience in his book, A Grace Disguise, How the Soul Grows Through Loss. And any guy that's had that level of loss in his life, I think, is a guy that we should listen to Uh, what he says and how he views loss. In his book, he says, catastrophic loss, by definition, precludes recovery. It will transform us or destroy us, but it will never leave us the same. There is no going back to the past. It is not therefore true that we become less through loss. Unless we allow the loss to make us less, loss can also make us more I did not get over my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life until it became a part of who I am. However painful, sorrow is good for the soul. The soul is elastic like a balloon. It can grow larger through suffering. And so here's the hope of the new, is that when you go through mourning, when you go through loss, when you feel that pain, it actually expands your soul and gives you new character qualities that are significant. And so when you've appropriately mourned, it makes you more patient, more patient to wait on the will of God in your life. It liberates us from trying to impress other people. When we've mourned appropriately, it gives us a greater humility, brokenness. It softens us and makes us more accessible To other people, it gives us a vivid new appreciation of the sacredness of life and the beauty of things that we never noticed before. You know, those small things, right? So, in the springtime, when you see those wildflowers along the side of the road, the blue bonnets, when you're taking a walk along the river walk and you see the beauty of our city, when you enjoy that good cup of coffee with a small group of friends, you appreciate and savor those things so much more when you've been through the pain of morning loss and you have a much greater appreciation for heaven because you know that we're just sojourners, travelers passing through this reality, and you know that someday we're gonna be in a place where all our wounds are healed, where there's no more crying, mourning, or pain. There's no more cancer or AIDS or terrorists or violence. All things will be made right, and we'll see people that we miss. Mourning increases our compassion and kindness to the poor, the wounded, and the marginalized. In fact, one has said, to the degree to which we've grieved our losses, the degree to which we are compassionate. And so mourning is not an interruption, but it is a transformation. And you know, just as the Jewish people did something physically to mourn their loss, I'm going to ask you to do something physical today as you think about those things that you've lost as they're rolling through your minds, the loss of a person, the loss of relationship, the lot like a disability that caused you to lose your old reality. I want to ask you to do something about it now." and enter into the pain. I'm asking you to go there. And what we're gonna do is open up the front so that you can walk down here and literally kneel on the ground. And as you kneel here, I want you to open your hands just like this and imagine that what you've lost is in your hands and you're just holding it before God and saying, God, please heal me of this loss. God, I'm not gonna try and shortcut this. God, I'm gonna lean into the pain and actually feel what I have lost. I understand for some of you, it is way too big of a stretch for you. You're new here. You wouldn't want to come down here. That would be way too weird for you. I totally get that. But a lot of us, you know who you are. You know that it would be healing for you and be helpful for you to go ahead and come down here and kneel with me as we mourn together as a family, that which we have lost. So you come now and let's kneel and pray. As you continue to lean in to the pain of what you've lost, my words are inadequate to help you. That's why I want to read just a couple of verses from the scripture that I think can be healing for you. Look at Lamentations again. Lamentations 319, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. And then David says in Psalm 30, verse five, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning as the new comes. And then there's one more concept I wanna show you. If you look right up here at me for a minute, as some of you are crying even now. There's a text from Psalms where he says, look at this, Psalm 50." 6, 8, David says to God, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. And look, here's what I know about God. Is He cares so much about you. And you think, man, I just cried those things out, and it wasn't a big deal. I just glossed over it. That part's over. But God sees you as His precious son or His daughter so much so that He collects every single tear you've ever cried over your sorrow and your loss in a bottle, and He'll show it to you someday. And He's going to say, I know it hurt when you lost your grandmother. I know it hurt when you lost your son. I know it hurt when you lost your ability to do this or that I know it hurt you so bad but I was right there with you saving every one of your tears look he says he even knows the hairs of your head he's got them numbered you're so valuable to him he knows when a sparrow falls to the ground and then he goes on to say that you're way more valuable than a whole flock of sparrows that's how important you are to the Lord he loves you that much so with that in mind I'd like us to go back into prayer with him for just a second good good father we thank you we know that we can't even fathom how much you care about us as you collect our tears in those bottles and we just ask you would you carry us through it's so confusing right now and it hurts so bad right now would you carry us through this confusion and we just look forward to heaven the hope of heaven and as we continue in an attitude of prayer perhaps God graciously brought some of you here today because you don't have the hope of heaven you don't know that you're going to spend an eternity where all things are going to be made new well, maybe God brought you here today so you could come to a relationship with him through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you would like that relationship, I'd like you to just say these words just between you and God in your heart. The words that you say aren't that significant, but your heart sure is. Just say, God, look, I know I've sinned. That's not news to me. And I know that my sin is egregious to a holy God. But right now, the best I know how I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sin. He took the guilt and shame of my sins upon himself so that I could have a relationship with you, God. So God, welcome into into my life right now. Father, I want to thank you for those who just prayed that. And for the rest of us, we're asking you for the courage and the strength as you carry us through. It's like that... Footprints in the sand story where we're not seeing two footprints, we're confused. But what we'll realize later is that you were carrying us the whole time, and we are going to be carried into a place in the future where the blind will see, the lame will walk, there will be no more cancer or AIDS or wars. All things are going to be made new. And Father, on that day, I'll get to see my papa again. I'll see my friends Ron and Carolyn again and there are many others that are being mourned here today that we we will reunite with and we will have an amazing eternity to enjoy each other and point glory and credit and honor straight back at you because you made that amazing eternity possible through the cross thank you so much for your kindness and goodness to us and we pray all these things In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, everyone said, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.